well, this is exciting. Um, for whoever is going to join me, thank you. I know that I'm trying to get a couple people joining us today, which is exciting. Uh, let's see here. Okay, cool, awesome. I'm just getting myself prepared anyways too. I'll give it a couple minutes. Even a couple friends is cool. If not, I got it. it's all good, it's busy. Busy Wednesday. Also, what's really nice about the Instagram Lives is that you can also share it to your um, your story afterwards too. So that can definitely be utilized as well. So not everyone needs to come for the days where this is happening. The you know the teachings and such will always be shared in that way. So yeah, okay. Um, Hey Murphy, this is Murphy. <laughs> Hi, baby. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> hey, visitor. Oh, that was lovely. Okay. <laughs> Claudia. Awesome. I'm just waiting for a couple more people to join uh, just to get started here. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm just going to get to it then. Okay. So uh, before I get started today, um, I would like to just do a land acknowledgement. Um, so we are situated on Treaty 7, which is the Nisitepi, uh Confederacy, uh, which means the Blackfoot Confederacy, um, which involves uh, Sutina, uh, Gainai, Bagani, uh, Sutina, um, Stony Nakoda, and also it's also home to Métis Nation Region 3, um, which is the Métis region I'm, I'm affiliated with. So that's really wonderful. However, um, I'm still like a visitor to this land even so, uh, as my ancestors come from Treaty 1, which is um, uh, what we are uh, calling also the um, Red River uh, Settlement. So that was uh, initially a place of gathering and such uh, in Manitoba. So that's actually where my family's originally from, which is really cool. And it's been a really interesting journey, learning more about me and in that way and um, how I'm further connecting uh, with my ancestry and now with my, you know, uh, connection to research in this way too. So it's been very exciting. It's been a lovely journey, uh, one that, you know, I'm very appreciative to be on right now. So uh, the premise of this uh, project is basically going to be inviting uh, various friends, uh, other researchers, within the field um, and we're going to be talking about indigenous matters hey Charlie uh, we're gonna talk about indigenous matters and then we're also going to talk about um, you know means to uplift educators within this field because it's such a pivotal time right now especially with what's going on um, in regards to you know ice uh, anti-racist uh, pedagogy that's that's definitely coming up so we're just trying to you know look for ways where we can share 
what we're kind of going through and also means to like uplift folks and also just like understanding how like research even works as well because you know research is its own little thing it's a lot to to go through and it's a lot to understand so it's it's definitely a big process so that's why I thought well you know with folks advocating for access to research understanding you know anti-racist notions and that's usually through education um a, a lovely conversation i had with my friend um, amanda and her and i were were talking about how we can further you know support folks in this kind of way right so i, I appreciate her very much just uh for igniting kind of this uh this idea and uh, as a means for you know accessibility and um for support I guess in this way so it's very exciting I hope uh, I hope it'll pick up of course I know this is the first one um, but I truly do hope that it'll pick up and um, that everyone can like learn maybe something from it too it's almost like story time you know I feel like it's going to be a lot like a story time and I think that's beautiful so yeah so that's kind of the premise of the project um yeah, and I think it's also really important for, you know, me to note why, why I guess I'm doing this in a way, um, you know, and how maybe my journey has come to research. I think that might be a little important to kind of, you know, give a little backstory with. Um, so, yeah, so basically I was a teacher. Um, and I graduated at Mount Royal University uh, this past year, and um, yeah, in, uh, in June 2019, that's when I graduated. So within my experiences all throughout the whole entire undergraduate uh, career, it was an astonishing, fun, uh, amazing experience, and I really enjoyed, you know, my, 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 um, my progression at Mount Royal University. And within this progression, though, I kind of noticed that there was a lot of notions inside of Indigenous educational, you know, experiences, environments that don't necessarily, you know, uplift everyone, I find, um, because it's just so, you know, Eurocentric in that way. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily include various um, perspectives aside that's what's taught to you in the textbook so unless you're an educator and you're like woke and you know you're able to then you know inter um uh, intertwine these notions within your practice then you're very lucky but unfortunately that's just not the reality of the field of education and that's why um this kind of came up for me i think um so what ended up happening, oh, hey, Sandeep, if you're wanting to join, it's all good, hey. Um, so yeah, so what I was wanting to kind of um, combat, I guess, is the idea of how to better support teachers then within, um, within education and to assist them in these ways because it's a big process, it's a long process. And it's not just going to happen overnight to, you know, to intertwine these notions of practices within your practice. So it's, yeah, it's just a long time to be able to do it. And within my, my experience too, there's teachers at my school that always came up to me and always asked me for, um, 
you know, resources or ways to better support indigenous um, uh, indigenous teachings within their classroom, which I thought was fabulous. Um, but at the same time, too, I can only speak to my Métis uh, perspective. I can't speak to, you know, the Blackfoot perspective. I can't speak to the Cree perspective. I can't speak to the um, to the Jibwe. You know, there's just so many other nations out there with different acknowledgments of knowledge and everyone kind of goes through their own uh situations within it so yeah so I thought well hey I feel like oh hey sister hey Megan um so I felt like that this was something that you know I kind of like navigated towards because I wanted a means to better support you know educators to conduct this form of uh, research in a meaningful yet um supportive way so um yeah so it's kind of me in that way and I'm actually guided more so with um, research methods kind of proposed by uh, Linda uh, Tehewe Smith Uh, she's Maori uh, which is an indigenous nation in uh, New Zealand so um, with her take on to indigenous you know, methodology within research. Uh, research in itself is very um, colonial. Uh, it's very, um, it's a hard field, I guess, in that kind of way. Uh, and only recently more indigenous voices have been, you know, included within uh, research parameters and methods. And it's really hard to like indigenize, so to speak, uh, a field that's already, you know, was initiated due to, um, due to just, it's hard to speak upon actually, Um, uh, a field that's already created as a means to look at different people of different races um, and to come to their own terms for it. Uh, one of the first researchers there ever was that <clears throat> Linda speaks about is um, is uh, one researcher and uh, he goes to a, uh, a place um, I think in uh, South America to look at the indigenous peoples there and he basically called them savages so this term this usage of the word savage has actually been very predominant within research in itself and you know now there's more indigenous folks who are then able to speak for their nations and their own uh communities and their own culture basically and now that that is definitely a big combat to what was then done and what can now be occurring too and i think that kind of raises the point of truth and reconciliation as well so um the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada was uh, created and it was this document that I hope that you've had the opportunity to read. It's called the 94 Calls to Action. So basically it's a list of 94 ways um, you can better support your community to further uh, support Indigenous voices within it and Indigenous perspectives and just the point of all of this though is being able to talk about the truth and the truth of what happened and the truth that will you know continue I guess we hope um within within this time especially and truth has a big notion here and truth 
really does allow everyone to empathize, understand, to learn from, and to then do better, right? And I feel like within the field of education, there's so much to do with that notion in itself and the notion of truth. And it's really hard to talk about sometimes just because there's been such major injustices. Um, but these are important conversations to hold. And that's why there's been so many more articles and more, um, more navigation to better support educators even uh, with being able to then share these notions of truth. And that's kind of what comes to um, what I'm going to now talk about next, which is this researcher named Susan Dion. Um, I've honestly read her work for a very long time. I think it started within my uh, third year university where I took an indigenous perspectives course um, that was a part of my faculty, um, which was a very eye-opening experience to really understand like treaty education, to better understand how to then teach treaties uh, to students. Um, and further how, you know, non-Indigenous and Indigenous um, educators can then uh, support stories and support, um, support, you know, community within their teaching practices as well. So I think that's, that's the research I, I wanted to choose to begin the segment on uh, today. So Susan Dion, uh, she's, uh, she's very interesting. Um, she created a study, actually, that's called Mediating the Space in Between Voices of Indigenous Youth and Voices of Educators in Service of Reconciliation. So within her work here, um, this was done in 2016, so still recent, and it's about a year after the TRC was implemented. Um, so what she has gathered, and by the way, with all this too, this is my um, this is my research um, decomposition. So this is basically what I do every single day um, that I started this program, <laughs> and it's been fun. I feel like that there's you know a lot of notions of knowledge that I've now learned about, but anywho, it's it's just this is just kind of like my method with it. So it's been yeah, it's really cool to share. Hey, how are you doing, Ryan? Awesome. So yeah, so basically there's this researcher named Dion, uh, Susan Dion, and she created a study called Mediating uh, the Space Between Voices of Indigenous Youth and Voices of Educators in the Service of Reconciliation. So what her main audience was to, is to help educators, indigenous peoples, administrators, school staff, educational. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, educational policymakers, curriculum uh, creators, um, professional development creators, and facilitators. So I feel like that's her targeted audience with this particular article. Um, and what she actually gains to to want to advocate for within this particular piece, and she does so in a very qualitative way. And qualitative, I like to say, it connects to quality. And by quality, we get to hear voices. Oh, <laughs> Um, so that's the difference between like qualitative and quantitative work. Quantitative is obviously quantity, so I think about numbers, numeracy, uh, statistics, um, more positivism approach, which is very scientific. Um, 
So those are the two differences between qualitative and uh, quantitative. So yeah, with, um, with the research that she kind of uh, strives to look at is uh, specifically she's concerned with the voices of Indigenous youth who express that they need and what they want from education and the voices of teachers and teacher candidates who express fear and trepidation about their capacities to integrate Indigenous content within their classroom. Hey Caleb, hope you're well. Um, so this notion in itself is just kind of like looking at how, you know, educators are almost scared to teach Indigenous content within their classrooms. And a lot of them use the, uh, what she also terms as this uh, notion called the perfect stranger. So the perfect stranger to what she kind of looks at is this individual that the individual that can't or is scared to support through allyship because they don't know enough in order to teach the content. So that's what the perfect stranger is in this case. And that's very honestly problematic within the field of education um, because yes, it's okay to have uncomfortability with being able to then teach, you know, indigenous notions within classrooms. It's okay. But at the same time, too, it's a part of our history and it's a part of the foundation, even of, you know, this country as well. And the, this is what the notion of truth kind of comes in from the truth and reconciliation and how important it actually is. So what Susan Dion really advocates for is to better support educators within this way. And I think it's a very beautiful and very imperative notion because a lot of teachers just don't know how to necessarily teach it in the right way also because they don't want to misappropriate it or they don't want to, you know, make it come across unimportant or they don't want to make it come across um, like they don't care. And it's also, you know, it could potentially provide a disservice to students then going through the process. But she also shares within this research too is actually the student perspective of going through this as well. And within the student perspective, the students really, really, really want to know the truth of everything that has happened within the past, present and future. And they're actually major allies in that kind of way. So it really is a beautiful means and I think this too uh, with Susan Dion is that the best way to kind of support student ideas and connections and relationship with you know truth and reconciliation it must come from a comfortable place within teachers within practitioners and it's kind of a trickle-down effect in that way hey Chase hey Michelle I hope you're doing well um, so it's it's a uh, it's a big 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 process and you know I'm a part of like a couple research committees too that are looking at ways that we can better support educators then within this space and it's been amazing uh, to to hear about the perspectives and the perspectives of various um, folks within this field because as much as this fear is occurring it's starting to dissipate and I think it's because there's more awareness going on as well 
And especially with the Black Lives Matter movement too, it's making people more passionate uh, to be able to then go through these processes to then uh, use within their classrooms. And yeah, that's basically what she has to say within it. And yeah, I'm, I, I like I like her a lot actually. Sorry, my bias is coming through, but I really like her. Um, yeah, and what else is something that I also wanted to mention too? Oh yes, and then when there's um, when educators are able to really support Indigenous voices within their class, Indigenous students are then able to be able to better connect with the content as well. I think that's just with any anything, anywhere, anytime, when you have various different cultural perspectives within the classroom, your kids will always be able to connect with that and find interest in it. And they will actually be very impassioned to, to further learn about what you're educating and what you're teaching about. So this notion though, for youth to first-handedly also be able to share their experiences um, within Indigenous curriculum or even teachings, it really affects them in a positive way. Um, but also with it too, why is it always, you know, what's mandated by curriculum documents, which is from ministries of educations of, you know, provinces? Because um, that's how that's how actually education works. It's not federal, which means it's not across the board where everyone is going to be able to learn and teach about the same things. It's actually per province to province. And it really does matter of who is in charge as they kind of get to decide what curriculum is then going to be taught. So currently in Ontario and Alberta, we have the UCP governments. Um, before UCP was going in, um, the NDP were shifting and recreating curriculum um, to potentially, you know, support more Indigenous notions. As it is inside curriculum, it still is there, but being more brought to light in various ways. Um, but also like a change up with math when subjects or units were going to be taught, even that was just minor. Um, there's just a couple things uh, within, you know, curriculum and how it was supposed to be shifted. So it ended up happening that the UCP kind of scrapped it and they have now uh, private committees to go through the process of looking at curriculum and then deciding, you know, what should fit and where uh, should fit. Hey, Dom, I hope you're doing well, by the way. Um, so, uh, that's, that's just important for background, um, information for you to know about, um, as an educator and within the field, it's just really important to understand the preemptive notions with it. Um, so I just wanted to share that for, for a specific, uh, reason for in that way. Um, so yeah, so further that still kind of aligns to the privilege of education then. Um, so specifically, curriculum then is decided by governments. So governments decide what then gets to go into curriculum. And when students are not able to see themselves within curriculum, that's where the disassociation happens. Um, and a lot of kids really want to care and they want to see themselves. So, oh, thank you. Yes, I hope you are too. <laughs> I do too. I'm happy you're here. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I'm more than happy to 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so the privil privilege in itself of education as well. So uh, Indigenous students find that, you know, it's very privileged and they're not able to, you know, connect with it because it's not reflecting them and their needs, right? So that's why there's this notion that she's then also advocating for Susan Dion. It's called restitution and education. I think this is really cool. And she talks about uh, the action of restoring teachings and overall educational notion, notions to where it originated. And this is the responsibility of all educators. Like chills. This, oh, I love this. This is so cool and so just empowering and I really want a lot of folks to be able to read this work to really understand how it's a responsibility you know to further educate yourself to better understand notions and to go through this whole process so I thought that was really beautiful in regards to her article here so it's 325 i know that i said 345 i'm more than happy for question time how cute is this okay i got my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering with a gpa of 3.65 slay so is it possible to get a position as a ta or ra absolutely it completely depends on if uh your faculty is uh looking for researchers um so are you currently looking at a after degree or what's kind of your what's your uh progression what are you hoping to do It's exciting though, a 3.65 GPA, like, slay, that's amazing. So happy for you, congratulations on that. Okay, so you would like to attend the graduate program and, okay, perfect, yeah. So basically in that way, you are able to be a research assistant. Um, you will be able to um, support a supervisor that's looking at research. Oh, absolutely. And the way to do it is based off of your um, school website. So look at that and then go to the job opportunities. Usually it's in there. And then there's going to be a list of research assistantships that you can then apply for. I highly recommend meeting with, um, with the professor that you might potentially be working with just to create a good relationship with them preemptively um, as that'll make your um, whole transition and your whole experience really good. And you can also understand too like what is all encompassed with uh, research assistantships because sometimes it's also different. Um, for example, uh, for me, I'm working on three of them which is wild um so yeah anyways uh, so three of them one is looking at program guides for the ottawa um, faculty of education so we're just revamping them so that they are 
reflective of the Indigenous Teachers Education Program. So I'm looking at various institutions and various uh, universities that um, that can be kind of like a a guide in a way of what we hope to then achieve within the program. And so that's one that's one project I'm working on. The second one is a national project that's working with various researchers across the nation, and we're looking at uh, teacher education and basically how the Truth and Reconciliations Commission has been integrated within education. So that one's that one always gives me chills too to talk about. So I'm really excited for that one. So that's another project. Then the third project is working with this um, uh, this wonderful organization called the Caring Society. It is also a national um, organization too. It's non-for-profit, so it's really good in that way. And what they're working on is wanting to revamp their guides and their campaigns as well to also include uh, more Indigenous notions in that way. So uh, there's three different things. So it really does depend on your supervisor because i have the same supervisor for all three because we're really like we we have a really great uh uh, uh, um, professional relationship which is really important to have also as a uh, research assistant um but also because there's actually not a lot of indigenous uh, graduate students within the faculty of education in ottawa and also with the experiences you know that i've had the privilege to also have to and to hold and wanting to share so that's really really important so yeah i believe in you you got this just make your connections apply for it you never know and i really hope that you you get it and you're successful within it too and let me know if you also have any more questions about it too okay that's really cool and then uh, Sav, I hope you're well. Uh, for environment uh, week last year, my professors incorporated the theme of climate change into their lectures that week and how their field relates to that topic. How can we do this to be... I know you said continue on it too. Oh, you're welcome. Always here for you. Truly, let me know if you if you ever want to connect or chit chat about uh, graduate studies. It's a whole thing, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, for environment week last year, my professors incorporated the theme of climate change to their lectures that week, and their field relates to the topic. How can we ask ask this to be a standard practice with topics such as indigenous or drawing spotlight to other topics of inequity that require intention that's really 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 powerful and really beautiful and i really appreciate you bringing that to light um great there's a couple things i'm just thinking right now That's beautiful. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's a couple of things. There could be advocacy to your uh, faculty um, with the faculty of education right now at UOttawa. Um, they have actually created a, p- a petition to include anti-racist uh, courses within the faculty to better support um, students, right? Um, so potentially a petition could be something if you're feeling as though that's what a notion that you want to include that's really important that's the thing um or just in your case in your case too though sav um because it is talking about um 
sharing indigenous knowledge or drawing spotlight to other topics of inequity that require attention to it's yeah it's going to be a long process um but it's a it's a process that needs to happen nonetheless of course so yeah so the petition is definitely one and i know that you know with the student union uh they could potentially do advocacy work uh the bp academic if there there is one at u ottawa um could also make space uh for these conversations to also be held as well i know that the student union went through a reform so i'm not too sure what the positional standards are there right now um so that's definitely something to consider too but also maybe just holding conversations with your professors and asking them do we have folks in the field that are indigenous and that can also be of help and support uh to teach these concepts to students because we find that it's something that's very needed right now right um even that conversation could also happen too so I I would say those three majorly. I can also send you a list of resources too as well. These are just things that are just coming to my brain, but it's definitely something that I could think about more for you if you'd like. Yeah, so we got petition uh U O S U um yeah, that's what it is now. Yeah. And then VP, I don't know if they have a VP academic question mark. I'll look into that for you. Um, but yeah, the petition, the petition's already making uh, great waves for our faculty to incorporate anti-racist uh, pedagogy and classwork. So um, highly recommend doing that if that's something you want to do. Does that help? Does that answer your question, Saf? Thank you. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah, and I'll send you resources too if you'd like. <laughs> awesome. Does anyone else have any other questions? I was just coming towards the end, but basically, uh, Christian and uh, Kayla, I kind of went through talking about this um, wonderful uh, researcher named Susan Dion. She's really great. Uh, and she has this pivotal idea called restitution and education, which is the action of restoring teachings and overall uh, educational notions to where it originated. So kind of talking about the truth within truth and reconciliation in that way. So it's really beautiful. Um, and I just wanted to, to kind of share her concepts in that way. And yeah. Oh, hey, Janelle, how you doing? Um, so yeah, I know that it's uh, 3.34. Um, I think I might kind of go through what is going to be expected as well with the rest of these um, really fun, um, you know, Instagram lives. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be inviting uh, friends within the Faculty of Education, within other research fields, uh, with various uh, perspectives, not just, you know, folks who are conducting research but who are uh, coming from really wonderful and beautiful perspectives and communities that also um, can have the opportunity to share, you know, share their voice, share their perspective, share their notions because it's supposed to be very sharing and caring, you know, way here, which is really beautiful. 
Um, so that's kind of what will be happening moving forward. Um, so I'm just reaching out to some folks right now. And even if you're, if you're interested in being a part of this uh, segment as well, just feel free to reach out more than happy to, you know, include you. I think that would be so much fun. Um, and basically what we would be doing is sharing an article together and then we'd be deconstructing it together uh, previously and then what the Instagram live would be then before is to talk about the article talk about it in a way where we're not using like academic jargon because that's already privileged crap that we don't need to talk about anyways uh, <laughs> just got of my personal take with it um, and I hope that it can be a means to really uplift um, folks within their you know living their life maybe think about things that they haven't thought about before uh, maybe explore you know different educational content think about you know their own relationships their own practices their own notions in these ways and hopefully it can really create and facilitate a wonderful community I find you know and I think you know not only with the pandemic and now with uh, these major movements going on too I think the conversational aspect is really important probably now more than ever to really talk about important things and how we should be reflective on ourselves and our own uh, continuous practices so I really do hope that you know this segment can really support you know conversations in these ways and moving forward and to have a comfortability with being able to have these conversations moving forward too yeah any questions sorry the teacher in me is just like <laughs> I hope I hope this can be you know beneficial Aww. hey Courtney hey Debbie <laughs> So if anyone has any questions or anything too, um, please just let me know. Um, maybe other topics that you think would be really cool to explore with other folks as well. And again, if you do want to be involved with this as well, just uh, let me know too, because I, I think it would be a really fun opportunity to really, really get, get into it, you know, get into research and get into these articles. So yeah, what time is it right now? Okay, so it's 3.38, so I have like seven minutes, so yeah, I'm just here. <laughs> um, how are you doing? How are your... How is everyone doing? You too. Take care, Ryan. I don't know what to say. I'm just kind of, um, I'm just here. So again, if you, if any of you want to, you know, reach out or anything, have any topic ideas, any, you know, just anything at all, just always know that you know, I'm here for you. I'm um, happy to chat with you, uh, support you in any way possible. And um, yeah, I really hope all of you have a fabulous evening. It's so beautiful here on beautiful um, Airdrie. That's where I am right now. Um, and yeah, enjoy your days, enjoy your time and lots of love.
Bye.